Check one, check two. I'm the anchor slash rapper that you never thought would happen. Commentary get it cracking like pass when they start whacking. Applaud like studio audience audio is to rob you sports to show. Is that so? Rob you sports season five season live kick off press play then rewind film session commentary game picks to spook the scary like scoop and score and vary known for splash plays picnics like pick six pick four a quick pick I hit like quick kick top stick a chapstick I wrap this to rep it a gift you unwrapped it like new Easter baskets when kids get ecstatic Rob you sports 2022 are you ready for some Rob you Yo, yo, and welcome back to the Rob U Sports Stew Show NFL 2022 going into week number 12. And on Thursday night, there was a matchup between the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots. And in this matchup, the Buffalo Bills were able to go into Foxborough and defeat the Patriots with a final score, Buffalo 24 over New England 10. And in this game, there was some speaking out and some shows showing of frustration and some back talk and some chatter coming from one Mac Jones, the QB of the Patriots. And <clears throat> it was said he was on the sideline and he was saying things so supposedly to try to spark the offense or convince the coordinator or coordinators or play callers to try to go downfield a little bit as he said some things like, you know, we need to go longer or forget the short pass game or the pass the passing game's not getting it. Something to that effect. But, you know, when the ca- when the cameras catch you in that kind of position, sp- yelling out expletives in front of you know, national media in front of, you know, everybody watching on Amazon and everybody who's going to be talking about it on their sports show the next day. You know, it's not a good look. And especially coming from a Patriot organization where we've always heard for years the Patriot way and they do things differently up there. It's a lot more low-key, a lot more under the radar. And, of course, you know, that's the way Bill Belichick likes it. He doesn't want to give the media anything they can take and run with it or give an opposing team something they could use for bulletin board material. And usually before matchups, they're the kind of team that usually is talking about how good the, the opposing team is or highlighting a player on that squad to make it as like, you know, he's such a great player. We have to really prepare for him type thing. So it was kind of surprising to see that from young Mac Jones you know, he had to speak on it after the game. And he might have even probably got called to the principal's office in New, in Foxborough, New, Foxborough, Massachusetts, in the headquarters. Because you know Bill Belichick ain't really going for that. And it's like, he probably wanted to bench him for that, but didn't want to go back to Zappi too soon. But other players have spoke out as well, such as receiver Kendrick Bourne. And he was also saying, you know, he just thinks that the offense needs to open it up a little bit and try to go downfield a little more. And that's some of the same things Mac Jones was saying. He just felt the team needed some chunk plays. But if you watch the Patriots offense in the in the Tom Brady era, it has been a lot of dink and dunk and a lot of using the 
short pass game as a run game, especially when he had those shifty, smaller receivers like Julian Edelman, Danny Amendola. And, you know, it's just something that he kind of made it his thing. Like, you know, I'm going to – that was their offense for a long time when they had, didn't have Randy Moss or didn't really have a home run threat or a deep a deep threat receiver when they started relying more on the tight end, Gronk. Their short passing game kind of became their running game, and they were one of the more pass-heavy teams in the league, even though they may not have been passing for a chunk yards. But sometimes that can set up deep passes. But what some people are thinking or believing is that maybe right now the Patriots coaches don't really have that kind of faith in Mac Jones or trust in his arm for him to air it out deep down the field every game like that. And maybe they feel that the best bet with him is the short passing game and hoping eventually they can use that to set up a, a long pass. So we'll see how things go moving forward. And, you know, Mac Jones didn't have the luxury of an experienced offensive coordinator coming into this season where Belichick even refused to name a coordinator for offense. And instead it was Matt Judge and Joe and also Patricia. Well, Joe Judge and Matt Patricia. And they are basically kind of like co-offensive coordinators. Or one is the play caller and one is, I guess, you know, coaching the offense so both of them are however they have it going on there but when you see this kind of stuff from the Patriots it just shows you this not the season the team was expecting of course they're used to winning and having winning ways up there and they have a culture but you know as the different faces and personalities change the culture changes too so we see how things progress with Mac Jones and the New England Patriots down the stretch but right now the offense has looked stagnant against the Buffalo Bills one of the better defenses even though on Thanksgiving he did put up 400 yards passing or three-plus against the Minnesota Vikings. But, you know, different defense, different success, different different way you want to attack that defense. So we see how things move forward with the Patriots. And looking back at my Week 12 recap, and in Week 12 I went 8-5. and five. And Looking at some of those losses, uh, I chose the Falcons to beat the Commanders. Also, I chose the Ravens to defeat the Jaguars, which they didn't. And, you know, after that game, there was a little scandal or incident between Lamar Jackson and someone on Twitter or someone who made a comment to him referencing he may not be deserving of his impending contract, which is coming up. But even though Lamar Jackson says some things people found offensive, he did go back and apologize for what he said, and he has to learn. You know, you just can't respond to every time somebody comes at you with ignorance or negativity. Because if you do that, you're going to be responding to everybody, and especially in his situation, in his position. He has to understand that, you know, he's on such a large platform and he's really paid more attention to because of his success, because he's an NFL player, because also he's a black quarterback. And they will use things like that against you and try to scrutinize the, the, the smallest mistake or setback you have, you know, relating to the public, relating to fans, relating to naysayers. These are things that, you know, you have to know how to handle that, especially when you're in the spotlight. Because the more success and the more attention and 
the more accolades you begin to acquire, and this is in a lot of fields, you know, it becomes a lot more cutthroat and people are, some people are going to cheer for you and some people are just going to try to, you know, get you to go back and forth with them on some nonsense or ignorance or try to deter you or, you know, be a distraction to you somehow, some way. So I think it was a learning lesson for Lamar Jackson as he becomes more of a superstar and somebody who has to deal with these type of things and people who try to nitpick at you and come with their their, their ignorance and their wild statements. You got to learn how to just let it go off your back, like they say, like, <laughs> like water off a duck back, you know. So hopefully Lamar Jackson can take this as a learning lesson and move forward in his career without interacting with fans and taking every single voice or nitpicker to task. And also he has he has also his contract to look forward to after the season when he resigns with the Ravens, presumably. And, you know, unless he's gonna be like Kevin Durant and just come up with the <laughs> burner burner accounts and use the burner accounts to go back and forth with fans but i don't i don't know if he'll go that route but we'll see some more of my other losses was cincinnati being able to defeat the tennessee titans and cincinnati showing that they can be explosive even in certain games when they may be without all of their receivers so cincinnati definitely that was a nice win for them against the titans known for defense and a nice run game another pick i had wrong was the Raiders defeating the Seattle Seahawks. And Seahawks are one of those teams that have been very surprising this year. And I think the Raiders have been underperforming or just a letdown. Is it the coach? Is it the chemistry of him and Carr? Is it something else? Is it lack of defense? Well, who knows? But Raiders just have not been as successful as they as a lot of people probably thought they would be this year. But they still have some more stretch of the season to go, but just so far it hasn't been so good for them. But they did get a nice win over the Seahawks. And then there was the Pittsburgh Steelers defeating the Indianapolis Colts. I think I picked the Colts mostly in that game because of the Pittsburgh Steelers um, passing game or their quarterback who's rookie. But the Colts did, however, fall to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And in other NFL or football-related news, Coach Prime to see you. And when I say see you, I mean Colorado University, home of the Buffaloes. And Coach Primetime Deion Sanders will be leaving <clears throat> Jackson State University, historically black college and university, and moving to the next and highest level of college football, which is Division One a or as they call it, championship division or you know. so coach prime will be headed to colorado university boulder colorado see if he can revive that once proud colorado university program and we know colorado has brought us athletes such as eric b cordell stewart uh mike michael westbrook chris hudson rashawn salam so Colorado definitely had a nice lineage of talented players once upon a time. Uh, recently, of course, they haven't been one of the more successful college programs. But this is why you bring in somebody like Deion Sanders, who has the charisma. He has the knowledge of X and O's. He's a former player, so he's been there and done that. And now he's already shown established success and a, a formula for winning 
in a smaller on a in a smaller college level subdivision, which is Division One AA. But now he's leaving a HBCU now to go to one of the bigger conferences in the country. And these are going to be games that are televised. And of course, he's going to bring a lot of cachet. He's going to bring a lot of flash. He's going to bring a lot of instilling in young men. And he's definitely coaching the right way. He's coaching these players up, not only as players, but also as men. And, you know, helping to guide them and giving them structure. And we've seen what he's done at the HBCU, and soon we will see what he can do at another level in college as he's definitely deserving of this opportunity. And hopefully, hopefully wishing the best he does, he can make great strides in that program and maybe have them in the, in the in the college playoff, which has just been changed from four teams to 12 teams starting in 2024. And then we have LeBron on Jarrier. So if you were a LeBron fan or have seen him in street clothes from occasion, he would express his loyalty or fan <laughs> fan status of the Dallas Cowboys. And recently after Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones was revealed to have been in attendance at the integration or joining of black students coming to his high school in a photo release young 15 14 year old jerry jones is in the crowd of the sea of white students and whoever else who was giving the black students a hard time or deterring them from entering their school and LeBron asked the media an important question, especially with all this stuff going on lately with Kyrie Irving and Kanye West. LeBron asked the crowd of reporters and anchors and sportscasters why he was never asked about the Jerry Jones photo. And before they could try to rebuttal or cut in or slip in something that would not let him complete his thought, he explained he did not want to answer, but he said as a black man, people have to understand some of the things that we've been through and our plight in America, and it's still continuing. You know, there's still ignorant attitudes, ignorant actions, ignorant speech, hate speech, ignorant symbols of hate and racism, and this is throughout America and even abroad. So this was a good, positive, and... You know, got to give kudos to LeBron for that because a lot of NBA players may not be, you know, courageous or free enough to speak on certain things because they may feel it's going to blackball a deal or ruin their relationship with a certain brand, company, or owner. And we definitely didn't hear a lot of NFL players speak out about it either. And, you know, in recent days, of course, now that LeBron kind of relit the fuse of it because they, they, they did announce it here and there but like i said in my last episode it wasn't i wouldn't think it was like front page news they might have spoke on it one day and left it at that but now that lebron has shed more light on it we've seen them ask dak prescott about it and of course you know in a in a nice pr move he was very quick with his response he said well you know you might want to ask jerry jones about that and you know he can't really say nothing bad about his boss or his team's owner because it's the man that helped him become a generational wealthy black man in america 
being able to feed, you know, his family and countless others off of his contract for his football talent and ability. So he definitely couldn't say like, oh, man, I do think Jerry Jones is racist. He's like, nah, he's not going to say that. He's going to, you know, he was diplomatic about it. And that was a good response because he's like, oh, shit. Well, okay, he was in that picture. But at the same time, a picture is worth a thousand words. But we don't know Jerry's actual stance or what he actually did that day. We just see him in the crowd. Of course, he probably went on to expound on it or downplay it. But it was what it was. So that was a nice response from from Dak Prescott about the situation, man. You know, just good for, to see LeBron shed more light on it, especially in these days when you know everyone has sympathy for every race, or everyone has some t- form of empathy, or can understand some of the some of the setbacks, or trappings, or you know, institutionalization of our people, except for black people. So that's like you. It's important for people to say that, especially on a large platform, and it's it's good for people to just have that in their mind because you know the last few years we've been we've been through the the, the Floyd eras and the Black Lives Matters eras and the re you know a, a revival of civil rights in entertainment and sports, just with the messages and the imagery and also the protesting and the rioting. And, you know, this is is real. So, you know, LeBron speaks out on Jerry Jones. So that's definitely was a good look for LeBron. And in other NFL news, the embattled Browns quarterback, Deshaun Watson, returns to action against his former home team who drafted him, the Houston Texans, on Sunday. So after all of the sexual allegations of improprieties, during massage sessions and alleged pay-to-play sex partner finding masquerading as massage sessions, Deshaun Watson will finally be returning to the NFL this week as his team will face his former home team, the Houston Texans. So Cleveland Browns coming into this matchup. You know, they they were okay in his absence, but it did, it's not like they kind of laid out the carpet for him as far as the ease into the playoffs. So definitely for them to have any kind of success down the stretch, they're going to need some, you know, they're going to need some, some big play from him. But on top of that, he has to go into these arenas and even his home crowd and face them knowing he's going to probably be the loudest, blue, the loudest booed, player in you know a long time with the allegations and everything surrounding him as well as now people formed opinions about who he is and some of the things that he's into or some of the things he was into and has he really bettered himself as a man and taking those kind of proper steps and procedures or you know treatment or counseling or you know self-reflection and who knows if he did or if he even cares to because the Browns made him one of the highest or the highest play, paid player in NFL history. So, you know, he may just already have the mindset and the attitude. Like, I don't care. I'm going to still do what I want to do. It's just they will never catch me again because, you know, now he feels he's he's doing probably on another level than what he might have thought he was before. Or, you know, or who knows, maybe he will be a lot more careful trying to cover his tracks moving forward. But we'll see what kind of reaction and what kind of play Deshaun Watson 
can turn in as he returns to the NFL this weekend. And looking at the season so far, some of the biggest surprises and disappointments for the season. But when it comes to, we have to go bad news first. When it comes to disappointments, I think number one of the list has to be the Denver Broncos. And I wouldn't put all this on Russell Wilson, despite he has, I believe, shown a decrease in talent and productivity output. But, you know, it does take two or three to tango. So we still got to consider the quarterback, excuse me, the coach, the, the quarterback, coach, or offensive coordinators. Uh, he has some injuries at receiver early. And then we get to Russell. And then defense as well. But, you know, they, they tried to make a scapegoat out of their running back who they recently cut. And it's just like, just because things are going bad, you can't just you can't just blame him. Are they are they really practicing ball you know ball protection and ball control <laughs> at the you know at the at the practices? But instead, they they just wanted to go ahead and release Melvin Gordon as if he was the problem, and he's actually somebody who could help them win some games, especially if Russell was not you know cooking or scrambling or being elusive in the pocket. Or if he has, you know, declining abilities. A guy, he's he's been doing this for some years. He's not a young pup anymore, like when he first came in the league. So, you know, they say as some of the mobile and dual threat quarterbacks get older, they have to begin to rely more on their mind and their brain and their eyes than on their legs and you know their feet. So maybe he doesn't have the same scrambling ability he once had, but he has to probably become more of a pocket passer or. They have to design plays where he's on a bootleg or scrambling out the side of the pocket. So he's not having to be forced to look over those tall receivers. I'm sorry, those tall linemen and linebackers and get balls batted down. Or, you know, they have to they have to kind of cater the offense more to where Russell is now. And I don't think the coach or the offensive coordinator can just try to shove an offense down his throat because it's just like for some reason, it's just not clicking with the uh, Denver Broncos. So maybe they have time to, to make some changes, or maybe their coach is just going to be on the hot seat and they're going to have to let, him, let the coach go and bring in somebody who can be more Russell-centric to the offense because he just has not looked like the same player. And, of course, this is his first year in a new system, new environment, new coach, and maybe it's the Denver, maybe it's the Denver air, the mile-high air. Who knows, but... Broncos have been a disappointment. Also, Green Bay Packers been a disappointment with everything going on with Aaron Rodgers early in the season. He's calling out receivers and, you know, not really trying to take guys under his wing or bring guys along. It's like, you know, I think he had his leadership style on full display. And his leadership style is basically almost a lack of leadership because he's making these statements in media and they're trying to call guys out like, yeah, I, I talk to anybody who wants to talk about it, but instead you need to go to that receiver room or go to that player one-on-one and say, man, look, we got to get on the same page or we're not, we not going to win no games. And then it's the age factor and the wear and tear of so many years of Aaron Rodgers getting sacked, you know, injuries, which he hasn't really been injury prone, but, you know, of course, every NFL player who's been in the league that long probably has so many different dings and, dents and scratches it's hard to you know really say i'm at 100 percent today so 
with just the Green Bay passing attack not being totally in sync most of the season and Aaron Rodgers not really being able to carry a team as previous years, Green Bay has been a disappointment. I don't think that defense is as good as they thought it would be. And also, I don't think they utilize their running game enough, but that's just my opinion. Other disappointments, Arizona Cardinals and what's going on with Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, where it seems like sometimes they're at odds and now Kyler's on the injuries and coming back from injuries. And Is this team really going to be able to have some form of sustained success throughout the season? Or is the Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray era coming to a close and they're going to bring in somebody else who can do something different with Kyler Murray because is the offense kind of gimmicky or too college-like or is it something that could be a pro-style offense or something that can last year in and year out? Especially once teams start getting film on you and it gets down the stretch of the season where people know your tendencies and how you're going to use Kyler and things of that nature. They do have some decent running backs. They may want to try to force teams to play them more honest with the running game, but they've also been having some, you know, injuries to Kyler Murray, so he's a big part of their running game as well. But they are getting back Hopkins, the receiver. So he's been back for a few weeks now, and we'll see what happens with the, with the Cardinals, but just hasn't been that year. And then there's the Rams who now have, quarterback Matthew Stafford going on injured reserve so he'll at least be out the next four weeks and is the is the Rams going to be able to try to salvage the season or is the season just is gone because they had too much in it they had too much Super Bowl hangover or the guys weren't as hungry or just they lost too many key players that actually were, were game changers and difference makers for this team. So, just not the same Rams team. And uh, even the Patriots have been a disappointment, I believe, to some extent, because I think they were expecting bigger and better things this year from quarterback Mac Jones. But at the same time, when you may not have the leadership on offense, coach-wise or, you know, scheme-wise or playbook-wise or play-calling-wise definitely can affect the quarterback and all he can do is go out there and execute what they're calling. You know, he may not want to call an audible because he may just take him out of the game or just say, no, you're not going to run what you want to run. But, you know, it could lead to more interceptions as well. So, who knows? And when it comes to the biggest surprises of the season, definitely the New York Jets up there, strong defense, decent offense. Philadelphia Eagles, I think this is what people would expect there, but it's still probably a surprise to some because you know some people still want to try to label Jalen Hurts as a, as a running back instead of a quarterback. And then it's the Seahawks with what everything that Pete Carroll and Geno Smith have been able to do. And then there's the Miami Dolphins with the coaching and also Tua and the receiving core doing big things down there. And last but not least, the Minnesota Vikings who, despite losing a blowout to the Cowboys a few weeks ago. Still have one of the better records in the NFC, one of the more potent offenses, and they've been doing nice things this year. So those are my biggest surprises and disappointments this season. And in other news, in D.C., there's recently been a terrible, terrible 
memorial for one of the greatest NFL players of all time. And when we're going to say greatest NFL players of all time, I'm talking about somebody who had the talent, the tenacity, the intensity, the speed, the power, the hands. And I'm speaking of safety, Sean Taylor from the University of Miami was one of their top draft picks and definitely did his thing in the league. And Sean Taylor, who was fatally killed during a home invasion in Florida, would not have the chance to fulfill his NFL destiny of being a Hall of Famer. But the Redskins now trying to generate some good PR after leaking that picture of Jerry Jones to the Washington Post, decided it was time to unveil his memorial. And it was, it was, it looked like a, a school science project or something like a kid would come up with. Because it, like, they seemed like they didn't have any real resources or funds to put behind it. And I say this because there was simply a mannequin with a Nike, a Nike Sean Taylor jersey and a Reebok Sean Taylor football pants. And on a mannequin with a helmet. So it's like they didn't, he didn't have a, a full body. It wasn't a statue. It wasn't a plaque or a monument. It was a Nike jersey, a helmet, and a Reebok pants. And it just looks ridiculous. And they should be ashamed of themselves for trying to honor, trying to honor that man like that because he was one of the greatest players ever in the NFL. And if you don't know, just look up some Sean Taylor film for the Washington Redskins, and you'll see his greatness on the field. And to see them do that is just, it was really, it was shameful, honestly. And I, I don't know what the, what the organization has in their mind or what's going on, but it's just like, just sell the team already. Just, you don't even need to, <laughs> just sell the team, man, sell the team. So looking at my games of the week, this week, I got two games of the week. The Tennessee Titans at the Philadelphia Eagles. Nice, nice matchup. And also the Miami Dolphins at the San Fran 49ers. So these are just like two nice heavyweight matchups. And I look at the tail of the tape. Tennessee at Philly. Head coach-wise, I would say these teams are about even. We got Vrabel, who's been there and done that. He's made it to AFC Championships. He's shown some stability and some longevity at, at coaching. And now Philadelphia, with their head coach and with everything he's unlocking in, in Jalen Hurst and Jalen Hurst's ability and, and confidence. Philly, I mean, these head coaches are pretty even to me. Playbook-wise, Titans have a decent playbook. Also can bring in a, a trick play here and there with, with Henry throwing a pass. So they're solid at there. But I would give the advantage to the Philly playbook with so many nice speed receivers and running backs out the backfield, not to mention Jalen Hurts. Quarterback-wise, I would give Tanny Hill a plus because I think he has lots of upside. He's, he's, he knows how to protect the ball. I just don't think he has the, the necessary targets or weapon at, weapons at receiver. So the check would go to Jalen Hurts and what he can do with his legs and his arm. Running back-wise, I will give the check to the Tennessee Titans with King Henry, one of the best who ever did it, one of the greatest current players. Running back-wise for the Eagles, you know, I would just give them a plus just because they can also use Hurts in the running game and also 
they can use, you know, their regular running backs, Miles Sanders, Gainwell. So we're going to see the versatility of their running backs where with, with Henrich going ground and pound. When it comes to receivers, I would also go with I would go with the Philadelphia Eagles and their depth at receiver with so many weapons to choose from. Smith, you know, it's just like they got some nice nice depth at receiver. O line wise, I think these teams are pretty even. D line wise, they both they're both solid and good. Linebackers, I think they're even. DBs, they're both solid and good. I think the X factor for Tennessee Titans will be. The running game of Henry and Tannehill when he's passing. I think for the X Factor for the Eagles will be Hurts. And when it comes to the Miami Dolphins at San Fran 49ers, head coach-wise, I think both of these coaches get a check. Playbook-wise, they both get a check. Quarterback-wise, it's almost a toss-up, but just the way Tua is playing, I will give him the check. But Garoppolo gets a plus for upside. He's He knows the offense. He's seasoned veteran. He has a nice win percentage as a starter. And he's... Very fairly accurate quarterback. So, running back wise, I would go with the 49ers. But the Dolphins do have some solid running backs who can come in and make some nice plays. Receiver wise, the teams both get the check for receiver. Two, two of the best receiving cores in the league. And O line wise, I think these teams are pretty even. D line wise, I would give a slight edge to the 49ers. Linebacker wise, I think they're even. And DB wise, I think they're both good and even. So the X factors for these teams for Miami will be Tua and for the 49ers will be their run game. So stay tuned for Block Tua to Rob You Sports Do Show where I will pick my winners for week 13 NFL. Keep it locked. Welcome back to the Rob You Sports Do Show NFL 2022. Let's take a look at the games. Cleveland at Houston. In this game, I got Cleveland 31 over Houston 20. Denver at Baltimore. I got Denver 17 over Baltimore 27. Then we got Green Bay at Chicago. I say Green Bay 24, losing to the Bears 30. Jacksonville at Detroit. Jacksonville 24, Detroit 27 to victory. Then I got New York Jets at Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota 24 and a close win over the Jets 23, but this will be a close game. Pittsburgh at ATL. I got Pittsburgh 27 losing to the Falcons 31. Then we got Tennessee at Philadelphia. One of my games of the week. This game will be a close game, a slug it out battle. But I think in the end, Jalen Hurts rushing, scrambling for first downs will help the Eagles defeat the Titans with a final score. Philadelphia 30 over Tennessee 24. But this will be a close game. Then we got Jackson. Then we have New York Jets hosting the Washington Commanders. I got Commanders getting that victory 30 over the Giants. Excuse not the New York Jets, the New York Giants 23, losing to the Washington Commanders 30. Then we got Miami at San Fran, one of my other games of the week. So this game is also going to be one of the better matchups, in my opinion. We have Miami, Tua doing this thing with the passing game this year. Also, we have the San Fran coming in there, the versatility of running backs and receivers. I think it's a bit close game, and as it comes down to it, I'll say Miami 31, San Fran 27. But this will be a good game. Then we got Seattle 20 over the Rams 16. Then we have Kansas City 34, 
defeating the Cincinnati Bengals 31. The Los Angeles Chargers losing to the Las Vegas Raiders 27. Chargers Raiders 33. Then we have the Indianapolis Colts at Dallas Cowboys. I think Dallas will have no problem defeating the Colts with a final score. Dallas 28 over the Colts 21. Then we have Tampa Bay hosting the New Orleans Saints for the Week 13 finale of Monday Night Football. And I have Tampa Bay 17 losing to the New Orleans Saints 21. So we'll see how the games turn out. Thanks for checking me out. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. Be safe, be blessed, and I'll see you on the next.